welcome to the tip-off from the Sportsman. This week we try and find the winner of the Grand National before previewing Tottenham against Manchester City. Steve Chambers joins us with his lay of the weekend and we have a bit of fun with our perfect 10 predictions. Hello, I'm Chris Knight and I'm joined by Sean Raymond once again. Hi Chris, thanks for having me. A big week. It is, yeah. There's a, there's a lot of sport coming up, isn't there? And there's um, Grand National. Always oh. always a special time. Cannot wait. Cannot wait for this weekend. Everyone can get involved. Um, and it's always tricky to find the winner of the race. But as editor of jumpsracing.co.uk, the, the pressure falls on you to uh, to deliver the goods this week. Well, we'll see. I mean, it, finding the winner of the Grand National is not something that we do every year. I think I've had a couple of winners in the last 10 years, and that's about it. But I think the way to, rather than bore people's pants off and go through mm. each runner um, we're just going to have a bit of fun aren't we and pick out five horses that we think yeah. may be in the mix to, to put in a good performance Definitely. this weekend that might be worth a, you know 50p each way absolutely and obviously a reminder that the race is on Saturday at uh, 5.15 at Aintree it's over a, a distance of four miles two and a half furlongs and there are 30 fences to be joint, to jumped along the way rather yeah and it's, and all the, all, the, all the coverage will be on the sportsman.com over indeed, the weekend yes, so stay yeah. tuned if you can't watch the race live that is indeed indeed um, so the best, I think the best place to start is with race trends. So um, when you're looking down that race card on, on the Sportsman website, where where you start, what, what are you looking for? So a few little race trends and then we'll give our, our five to look out for. So there have been four winning favourites in the last 20 years. So maybe it's worth looking away from the, from the top of the market. In terms of weights, only six of the last 20 winners carried 11 stone or more. Something to bear in mind. And the last 10 winners, they'd, they'd all had 10 or more starts over fences. And nine of those had won over three miles or further. So ideally, you're looking for a, a horse that'll uh, that'll stay that distance. And it could be a bit of a slog on Saturday because of the, the the forecast rain. It'll make the ground very soft, yes, potentially yeah. even heavy. I think traditionally, food. yeah, traditionally you want an experienced staying horse that jumps well. Mm. The only thing I'll counter that slightly over the last two or three years, they've made the fences slightly smaller. They've shortened the race distance slightly. They've yeah. they've raised the landing side of the fences. Mm. So in theory, what we could see over the next 20 years is perhaps um, ho- perhaps that need for experience yeah. not quite as important. We've, you know. we've seen more up-and-coming type horses, more eight, eight, eight or nine-year-olds well, won the last three. Exactly. Rule so. the World, a perfect example in 2016, had never won a race over fences, rocked up at the Grand National, got his conditions and, and was able to mm. win. Um, so yeah, it will be interesting to follow those trends over the next few years and we've got yeah. a few to, to talk about, and, haven't we? And s- the first of our five to follow uh, is Total Recall, uh, a nine-year-old for the Irish trainer Willie Mullins who, who last won this race with Hedge, Hedge Hunter in 2005. Now Total Recall has had three wins this season, all over three miles. Fell in the Gold Cup at Cheltenham last month. Is that a concern for you? Sean? It's a slight concern. It's a slight concern because you just don't know if a horse takes a fall. You know, it can be a relatively innocuous fall and they'll be bouncing in their box the next morning and none the worse aware. On the other hand, there can be falls that perhaps leave a little mark on them. So that's always a nagging doubt. But in terms of the form, he won the he, he moved from Sandra Hughes to Willie Mullins, won the Munster National at Limerick over three miles on soft ground, then rocked up at Newbury to win the Labrooks tr- uh, Trophy, the former Hennessy Gold Cup over three mile two furlongs on good to soft. Um, won an easy race over hurdles at Leopardstown at the start of February before that fall in the Chapman Gold Cup. The profile is certainly there, an improver, jumps well, stays well, got the trainer on his side, Hedgehunter, etc., one of the great Grand National horses. Seems happy with the ground on soft, so hard to find any holes in him. It's just whether or not you're slightly worried about Cheltenham leaving its mark. 
and he's he's looking he's currently the eleven to one favourite, so he's he's looking to become only the fifth winning favourite in the last twenty one years. So that yeah. is a that is a slight negative and in terms of the trends. But bound to be popular with uh, yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger fans <laughs> as well. Film buffs, all the film buffs out there. Uh, second of the five to watch, Tiger Roll, got a huge engine, won for the third time at Cheltenham Festival with victory in the cross country chase. Runs for Gordon Elliott, who's obviously got that fantastic rivalry with Willie Mullins. Um, they're starting to certainly dominate the, the the top races in the sport. Now Elliott won this with Silver Birch in 2007, which certainly propelled him into the into the spotlight. With Tiger Roll, would it be a concern if the rain continues to fall? Would, would soft ground be an issue for you? Yeah, but potentially. I don't think he won. Uh, basically, well, he won the cross country chase at Cheltenham last month of over three miles, six furlongs on soft ground. Now, so he clearly doesn't mind soft ground. What you do need to say is that a cross country chase will be a, certainly a lower level than a Grand National. Um, so I don't think he'd want it much softer than that. Stamina, though, is, is pretty good. He's won the four-miler at Cheltenham. Like I say, he won the three-mile-six at Cheltenham. He's now a three-time Cheltenham Festival winner, so class is certainly not... Uh, he's not wanting for class. Cause of Causes is the, is the uh, example here. Won the cross-country chase in 2017, then went to the Grand National, also for Gordon Elliott, and ran a massive second, because it is difficult to mm. win at Cheltenham and then win at Aintree. Tiger Roll has the class. Gordon Elliott's the trainer. Um, once again, can he follow up to do the aim to do the Cheltenham Aintree double? Is a really tough feat. What is in their favour this year is they've had an extra week to prepare. There's a month between the festival and Aintree this year. Got to be in the mix. Easy to see him win. He is quite a small horse, so you'd not you can't be a hundred percent sure that he's going to take to the fences. Although, as I say, the fences perhaps aren't quite what they were. So, be interesting to follow. Hard to see him out of the frame if he gets round. That's for sure. And in at number three, uh, See You at Midnight, a bit of a, a talking point. Uh, bought by David and Patri- Pat- Patricia, I should say, Thompson. Easy for you to um, say. Indeed. And uh, quite recently in the build-up to the race, and it's something they did last year as well with Le Mercury and Highland Lodge. Um, they went on to finish 12th and pulled up respectively. Trained by uh, Sandy Thompson. Um, could we see another uh, Scottish trained winner? Well, it'd be great, wouldn't it? We, we went all those years without a Scottish trained yeah. winner. Then, of course, one for Arthur, one last year in brilliant style. Now, maybe we can see yeah. two in a row. I mean, that one for Arthur was the, the first Scottish winner since uh, 1979. Yeah, exactly. So it'd, it'd be interesting. I mean, the thing with See You at Midnight, like I say, he's been bought this week. So the owners, the new owners, certainly believe he's going to run a good race. He's an interesting horse. He, he's no spring chicken. He's 10. So, which is a fine age for the Grand National, but he's still relatively inexperienced. He had a long break. So since, you know, in the last year, he's only had one run and that was a third at Newbury, which was a reasonable comeback. And it's a run that he needed to actually qualify for the Grand National. Without that, he wouldn't have qualified. You go back in his form, he was third in a Scottish Grand National over four miles on good to soft ground in April 2016. So that will give you some encouragement enjoyed the trip that day, was in the mix in a competitive Scottish Grand National. I mean, he's a good horse. I mean, he beat Bristol Demai in an intermediate chase in Carlisle back in 2016 by, by uh, let's have a look here, he, he won it by 12 lengths. To beat a, Brist- a horse like Bristol Demai by 12 lengths, we've seen what Bristol Demai's gone on to do, Betfair chase, etc. So that form indicates that this is a really classy animal. The negative here is that he's inexperienced and you just don't know how they're going to react in a hurly-burly Grand National, yeah. fast-paced, lots of fences. Of course, that could be a positive in the sense that he's unexposed, he might be ahead yeah, of the yeah. handicapper. And I just thought out of the favourites, if you're willing to take a punt on a horse that's fresh, not run recently, he's had wind surgery in November, but he wasn't fully wound up for his run at Newbury, surely, last time. Yeah. Grand National's been the plan. 
as I said, they've been trying to get him qualified. So, yeah, I, I'm interested to see you at midnight. Okay. It's difficult to tell. He is a risk. If you're backing him, it is a risk, but it could be a could be one that pays off, hopefully. And in at number four, this is a bit of a, a more general talking point, I suppose. Uh, we've got uh, Bryony Frost is bidding to become the first female jockey to win a Grand National. She's on board Milan's Bar. Um, we've also got a couple more uh, female jockeys as well. We've got Rachel Blackmore with Alpha Desobo and Katie Walsh, who, who came, came in third on board Seabass in 2012. Uh, she goes with the, the hugely popular Bedazil. Bedazil has been a, a massive plunge horse this week. Quick word on those three jockeys. They are three of the best in the business, regardless of sex. They're just the best jockeys for the for the horse. Um, and if either of those horses are in the mix, if they don't win, it won't be because of the jockey. Rachel no, no. Blackmore is not a name that British punters will know that well, but she's been pulling up trees in Ireland. Katie Walsh, as you said, she's been there and done it from a famous family. And Bryony Frost, as we're going to talk about here, being the sensation of the season, been winning all sorts of big races mm. on a Saturday. She's been the Saturday queen. Can she do it on the biggest stage of all? Milan's Bar is a good horse. Um, won the classic chase at Warwick with Bryony Frost. Tried to make all in the Ida chase, finished fifth. Then tried to make all in the Midlands National, finished second. So it's, she, the horse has had a bit of a... You know, it's ran three times in tough, heavy ground, four-mile handicap. So, slight worry that that would have left its mark on the yeah, horse. Yeah. Very difficult to keep going back to the well. But at the same time, this is a consistent horse. Um, if the trip seems to be no problem, doesn't mind a bit of soft ground if we get some more rain. Classic chase win was off 1-3-4. And now off 1-4-3. So, it's a big ask to win off of a uh, nine pounds uh, higher again. But what I can see with Millen's Bar is we get a bold show from the front. Circuit and a half, I can see this horse being right in the mix with Bryony Frost uh, getting a good tune out of him. I, I can see it yeah, going well for quite a long way. I, I, maybe maybe this horse will tire over the, over the last, uh, say, okay. mile and yes, get yep. sucked up by some classier horses, so so to speak. <laughs> but I, I, can, I can easily see... Uh, <laughs> we've all been there. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there, but I can see, yeah, Milan's Bar is going to be one of those horses that goes straight to the front, bold show, and if, you, if you're if clutching a Milan's Bar ticket from the, from the bookmakers, for quite a while I think you might be quite excited. Uh, and we've all been there as well. <laughs> and appropriately enough, we move on to number five and the Dutchman. Um, and Colin Tizard bidding to become the first trainer to do the Cheltenham Gold Cup and Aintree Grand National double in 42 years. Now, Tizard trained the, uh, the Gold Cup winner Native River last month, and he now enters only his third ever runner in the Grand National. Yeah, it's interesting, actually. Yeah. I mean, they, they've not had too many runners here. This, this feels like a good Grand National type to me. The Dutchman, I think, will be popular with the name. I think that'll be eye-catching when people open their papers or, mm. or look on the sportsman.com at the race card on Saturday morning. So I think it'll be popular from that point of view. But actually, it's a decent horse, and it's got a chance. Four runs since moving from Sandy Thompson, who we just talked about trained see you at midnight, moved to Colin Tizars from Sandy Thompson's in November, had four runs since, ran four good races, uh, including uh, winning the Peter Marsh chase on heavy ground at Haydock back in January. Over that. So that's three mile, one and a half furlongs on heavy ground. So we know that this is a horse going the right way. Only had eight runs over fences, which maybe indicates the experience isn't there, a bit like see you at midnight. Yeah. On the other hand, could be unexposed, could still be going the, the right way. Bled from the nose last time at Haydock. Slight worry when being pulled up. Now, they'll have done all the tests. They wouldn't be running him unless they thought you know, he was 100%. Yep. Having said that, that's always a slight nagging doubt. Um, but I think he's an, a, a relatively unexposed, improving stay and chaser for a yard that are informed. Like you say, they finished Cheltenham. And, and Colin Tizard maybe doesn't have um, 
he goes through spells during the season where he doesn't have lots of winners and you think he's out of form and then he yeah. turns up with a with a Cheltenham Gold Cup winner and an Albert Bartlett winner on the same day. So yeah, no, the Dutchman's have interested me. Sure. I, I'd be tempted from an each way point of view. And what what's going to be your best bet for the weekend? <coughs> well, from those now, five. Now your colours colours to a mass. Well, we're going to stick with these five, aren't we? I think yeah. we're going to these yeah. are the sportsman five. I think we'll call them, and hopefully that's not weighing them down too much. <laughs> Uh, I, I, th- I like to see you at midnight just because yeah. I think that he could be he could be very classy and unexposed and each way I think the Dutchman so Excellent. I'm going to go with those, those two from our, the Sportsman 5 brilliant thank you Sean um, and if you stay tuned we're going to have Steve Chambers on the line with his lay of the weekend next up Hi Steve, thanks for joining us. Hi Sean. Uh, we we catch you in disappointing form. Uh, you you got villaed at the weekend. Yes, they're a bit of a topsy turvy team at the moment, aren't they? And I laid laid uh, Norwich against them, but the Canaries ran out the winners, so uh, we should have another look in that division this week. Yeah, you so see, you're staying in the championship, and there's a massive playoff clash between Sheffield United and Millwall that, that's taken your eye. Yes, it's a brilliant league, isn't it? With so many teams vying for promotion in terms of, you look at Cardiff just falling out of the promotion places. Um, but yeah, I'm going down and Sheffield United have got Millwall at home. And now Millwall, they are the form team, aren't they? They're unbeaten in 16 games now and they've managed to push their way into the playoffs. They beat Bolton in midweek and Sheffield United, they're just they're a team that's struggling at the moment, even though they won in midweek. They've uh, only won one in five, and they welcome uh, Millwall to Bramall Lane, and they're five to four, Sheffield United. So with Millwall storming through the league at the moment and looking likely as the play the final playoff spot, I think they could get a point at least against Sheffield United, who I will be laying. Okay, well it'll be fascinating. It's a, certainly a massive clash of both teams, and we'll be uh, hoping that Millwall can do the business. So we'll catch up with you next week and see how it got on. Cheers, Sean. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Thanks very much to Steve there. Um, obviously, I'm, I'm appreciative that he swerved away from Aston Villa for the, for the weekend after, after <laughs> last weekend's result. He kind of bossed you there, but Villa bounced back in the week. They did, Still yeah. Still in the mix. Very, very fortunate to beat uh, Cardiff. On Hell of a goal from Greenish. Oh, Hell of a goal. Great goal. Anyway, let's move on to proper football. <laughs> very dare you. <laughs> um, Tottenham against Manchester City. It's the, it's the big game of the weekend. Saturday um, night. Who knew? Because I think that a lot of the country will be thinking 5.30. It's not. Don't. Cancel, Liverpool, yeah. Liverpool-Bournemouth is 5.30, which a good game in its uh, its own right. Yeah, but, um, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you've not seen, this is 7.45 on Saturday night. So, just let's, let's take Saturday in for a moment. You've got an afternoon in front of the TV with the Grand National. Straight to Bo- uh, Liverpool-Bournemouth. Straight on to Tottenham Man City. What a day. What a day. Um, and this is a great match, isn't it? It's um, it's a game that probably hasn't got a great deal riding on it in terms of Tottenham are virtually assured of a top four finish now thanks to, to the result against Chelsea the other week. Man City, despite that defeat to Man United, are surely still <coughs> going to win the league. Um, albeit their title celebrations have obviously been delayed and um, it's are the wheels falling off for... for Guardiola, is he a fraud? Is, uh, <laughs> so, so much of Twitter seems to, seems to no, suggest. No, no, no. This is, this is a slight blip. I mean, I, I'm surprised that they've lost three in a row. Um, I mean, Man City are by far the best team in the Premier League. Guardiola's a wonderful manager. They, they are going to win the league. It probably it may be this weekend. They may have to wait another week. Um, I think that they'll be a little bit flat. I mean, they got they got um, 
they, they perhaps didn't have the rub of the green against Liverpool in two legs, but they still lost both games, and in the end they were well beaten. The, the result against Man United was a bit of a freak, I think, at half-time last weekend in the Manchester derby. They could have genuinely been 6-0 up. And it's not just one of those, oh, they could have been 6-0 up. They actually could have been <laughs> 6-0 up. And they sort of fell apart. So this is, But having said that, on the back of three losses... They're going to go to Wembley to face one of the best home teams in the country. Spurs yeah. are in great form. They've won their last six on the bounce. Tot- this Tottenham, is the test for City. Tottenham in wonderful form. Again, since Christmas, they seem to specialise in this um, post-Christmas league table, don't they? They're, they're at top of the Premier League form table since, uh, they, they, since the yeah. end of December. They're 14 unbeaten. They've been excellent at Wembley, as you say. If, if, only, yeah. if only there was a trophy from December to May. <laughs> Absolutely. If only there was a trophy. I think they'd be three-time champions. Exactly. This is interesting. Man City have only lost one game away from home. Yeah. That came at Anfield against Liverpool. And, and I mean, Spurs have only lost once at home this Something's season as well. Something's got to give. Yeah. But I think that you look at you have a quick look at the stats and the it recent could, history. It could, it could be a draw. Could be a draw. It doesn't have to give. Four of the last five meetings have been both teams to score. Yeah. Uh, 19 goals in the last five meetings, which is an average of 3.8 goals a game. Nice. And nice. you can understand why, can't you? Aguero, Kane, etc. There's a bit of a head-to-head there. If you if you look at the prices for the game, then over 2.5 goals that can be back to about four to six. It's quite quite a skinny price. Over point over 3.5 is your stat. Well, 3.8 goals. It's there. It's black and white. 13 to eight. It's slightly more appealing. Yeah, um, I think it is. And because like I say, Aguero's been injured. He was on the bench for the Liverpool game in the week but he came yeah. on so I'm assuming he's going to start Kane is frothing at the mouth for goals he's appealing for goals that didn't touch him he's trying to be, he, uh, well, I still think he should get that goal well, just for, just from the basis of my fantasy football team yeah, well, this is the problem, isn't I it? had him as captain but he, he's taken it so far now where it must have touched him he's yeah. like appealing I think he's going to get lawyers in and everything because he's later. desperate to catch Mo Salah he's got quite a poor record mm. in this against City he's only scored two in six appearances against them he's 11 to 10 to score any time talking of Aguero he's scored 10 in 12 against Spurs but none in the last five no and he's, he scored but he did score four in one game against yes, uh, yes back in October 2014 he's, he's six to four to score at any time now sticking with the goal markets these two teams tend to specialize in high scoring games when they come up against the better teams in the division Spurs one clean sheet in five against fellow top four teams those five games, 17 goals, so 3.5, sorry, 3.4 goals per game. City, one clean sheet and five against fellow top four as well. Those games have involved 25 goals at five goals per game. Yeah. Um, both teams to score an over 2.5. That's five to six, and it's landed in 10 of the last 13 meetings between these sides. So I think we're suggesting goals. We are suggesting goals. Um, and I think, like you said at the start, there's not a huge amount to play for in terms of position. So I'm hoping a Saturday night game, full house at Wembley, mm. that we get two relevant relaxed teams that just go and play their football I'm like we said Kane and Aguero head to head they're still being the two preeminent strikers I can see goals I like over 3.5 goals at 13 to 8 having said that Spurs have only conceded 9 goals in the Premier mm. League at Wembley do you know the the bet that really takes my fancy is Kevin De Bruyne to score at any time he scored in all three games against, against Tottenham uh, he's 9 to 2 to score at any time 13 to 1 to score first I mean he's been in wonderful form this season and he was he was superb during that first half against Liverpool before uh, before obviously the, the wheels fell off somewhat. Yeah. Um, yeah. They ran out of steam, didn't they? But I just think... Is that your best bet? I'm, I'm going to go for De Bruyne to score. KDB. Uh, yeah, 9-2. to two. I just think that's that's quite a nice price for a game that, as you say, should provide quite a lot of entertainment. OK, and I'm interested. I'm, I'm actually, from a neutral point of view, I'm really looking forward to this game. I'm expecting goals. I toyed. I flirted. I'm, I even tickled with the thought of going over 3.5 goals at 13-8 to eight as my best yeah. bet. On balance, though, 
I'm going to go with the Tottenham win. I'm going to go against my instincts and back Tottenham to win this game. They're excellent at Wembley. They're in excellent form. City have just had a bit of a wobble. They're going to be tired emotionally and mentally, and you just feel their legs are going Mm. a little bit. Listen, this makes no difference. We shouldn't forget that Man City have been sensational. They're a far better team than Tottenham, and they're a better team than Liverpool, so let's let's not change the narrative now. Having said that, I think they are getting a little bit tired. And I think Tottenham, 11-8, to 8, mm. given their home record, is too big. So I'm going to go with Tottenham to well, win the game by any score. Tottenham uh, have won three of their last five against City. Exactly. Only losing one, albeit that was a 4-1 at the Etihad in December. That would be my only concern. Tottenham's propensity to, to bottle it in the big games. Well, that's the worry. But having said that, they didn't against Chelsea. They, they, they were goal down against Chelsea. I know Chelsea are struggling, but they, but they came back in the second half at a place they hadn't won since Sinead O'Connor was number one. So, uh, yeah, I just think that I think when the pressure's off at this stage of the season for Tottenham, I think they'll win. I think Man City will win the league next week. And what price are you getting? 11 to 8. 11 to 8. I'll go head to head with you with my uh, De Bruyne to score any time. Well, I'm more than two. happy for De Bruyne to score as long as Tottenham win. Absolutely. Okay, fantastic. And if uh, you stay tuned, we're going to give our perfect 10 predictions next. For our final segment this week, it's time for the Perfect 10 game. It's on it over at thesportsman.com forward slash games. It's free to play. There's 10 fixtures there. You just have to pick out the home win, away win or draw from, from the chosen 10. And you could be in with a chance of winning £10,000. Um, last week, I got a very respectable 6. 6 out of 10. I haven't checked mine. Probably the best. <laughs> I, I may have won. <laughs> you won. I may have won. I you could be on to, holiday right now. You might want to check your uh, bank balance. Um, well, like we say, this game... Is must do. It's it's, it's yeah. actually quite addictive, and the fact that Chris is happy to get six just about sums it up. I, I, <laughs> I think that saying. probably sums me up. Yeah. In the game. He, my acceptance of mediocrity yeah. is. Chris uh... is in. He's comfortable in <laughs> mediocre lane. He doesn't want to move out of mediocre lane. Why not? You're comfortable. Absolutely. Um, and speaking of mediocre lane, Burnley against Leicester. It's the battle for seventh. <laughs> it's the I mean, one. This is what the Premier League is all about. Yeah. <laughs> the thing about this is, if you finish seventh, there's a small chance you can be playing the Europa League games in mid-July. Which I who mean, doesn't want that? I mean, that's, that's what you want. You could be travelling to Kazakhstan in mid-July. Fantastic. That's what you want. And it's Burnley who are in pole position for that seventh position. They're six points clear of Leicester. Um, <laughs> the Clarets have won four in a row. Um, and the home team has won the last three meetings between these sides yeah. without conceding. So I'm going to go for a Burnley win here. Me too. They don't score many, do they, Burnley? But they're in form. They've got they've got momentum on their side. And I think everyone would quite like to see them finish seventh. They deserve it. Sean Dyche has worked miracles there. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Burnley. But it's a tough one, that one. Yeah. At the foot of the table, now there is plenty riding on this. It's Crystal Palace against Brighton. Now, um, Brighton have got quite a tough run into the end of the season. They've got some horrible fixtures to come. So this is... I mean, at the time of us talking, they're seven points clear of relegation, so you, sh- you should think they should be okay. But there is a chance that they might get might get dragged in with six, hum, six games humdinger. to go. This is a humdinger. This is yeah. a big match of the weekend. It's a, it's a good old-fashioned six-pointer. Well, I say six points. Brighton probably need one more win. Um, Brighton have only scored seven goals away from home. Yeah. Seven. We're, but, bear in mind we're in mid-April. They've only scored seven goals away from home. Palace have been playing really well, but conceding late goals. Wilf Zahar is the best player in the Premier League outside the top six. Yes or no? <laughs> I thought you were waiting for me to say Here's no. no I, to be honest, my prediction for this game is purely based on Wilf Yeah, I, mean, I, I think they're a better team. I, I, I think if Palace's first 11 are better than Brighton's first 11 at home, and I think Palace will nick it, just because I don't think Brighton score enough goals. Yeah, I've gone for a Palace win as well. Brighton are winless in nine away. A lot might depend on whether Christian Benteke starts. If he doesn't, then um, they'll, they'll win. definitely back Palace. <laughs> 
Uh, Huddersfield against Watford, oh, an- yeah. another big game. Watford uh, very much uh, safe now, aren't they? They're, they're nine points clear of relegation. Huddersfield only four points clear of the drop zone. Huddersfield are not a, not a good football team. Let's make that perfectly clear. Once the Huddersfield team to go through these terrible runs and then they'll suddenly win a game. Mm. And, and that's nowhere. why they're 16. I mean, I mean they hammered Bournemouth. Yeah, exactly. I know It just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Watford are on the beach already. Um, they've, yeah. they've, they've gone uh, four games now with just one point out of 12. Uh, this is a really tough one. Huddersfield need the win, but they're impossible to back with any confidence. I'm going to go with a draw. I've gone for a draw here as well. Um, and this this could be a really horrible game. Huddersfield have failed to score in three of the last four at home. Watford haven't scored an away goal since the 2nd of January. Yeah, if you're, if, so if you've got a ticket for this game, you have our condolences. <laughs> the, the Hornets as well have failed to score in six of the last eight away. So if you're looking to back a nil-nil under 1.5 goals type of game from a betting perspective this might be the way to go I've got a bit depressed <laughs> yeah. I feel sorry for the people heading up to Huddersfield Swansea against Everton can, can this offer a little bit more excitement no it can't <laughs> Everton are a complete shout let's just, let's just take this for a second Everton are ninth in the Premier League you think well that's not bad mm. but they are rubbish they are a shambles I think it's um, I mean they've got they've only got 41 points and they are ninth in the Premier League they're a way record this season for Everton bearing in mind the Statue of club, the amount of money they spend, the players they've got. They've won two, drawn five, and lost nine games. You cannot possibly back Everton. Is that away from home? Yeah. Sorry, you yes, can't yeah, back yeah. Everton to win an away game of football, whoever they play. They might, I mean, like I said, if, they, if their players turn up, they could turn it on. Swansea need probably one more win. Um, and I think they'll do it this weekend. I think Swansea at home, I just you just cannot back Everton away. No, and, and Swansea have won four in a row at home. So I think the the Carlos Carvajal effect, we like to talk about manager effects each week. Yep. And uh, Carlos has done the job there. So I'm with you, Swansea win. Uh, we're, um, we're four from four, agreeing at the moment. Uh, Barnsley against Bolton. Relegation, this is a relegation six-pointer. The biggest match we're going to talk about this season, um, all on the line in the championship. Uh, Bolton are awful away from home. They've only won one game on the road. And, that, and they've only scored 12 goals away. And that means I'm going to go with Barnsley. They've fallen into a bit of a hole as well, Bolton. They've lost four in a row. Barnsley, I mean, this game is massive. Barnsley 22nd, Bolton 21st. Two points between the pair of them. I do think I'm going to back a draw here just because it's it's so difficult to back I can't, I can't back Bolton, if, if, but I, I am going to, I'm going to sit on the fence. Do you know what Bolton's draw. mistake was? Let, letting Michael Ricketts go. <laughs> it's been downhill ever since. JJ Okocha. That's all I'll say. Gavin but McCann. This is a big Great game. Days. Home advantage to, to win it for me. Barnsley score more goals. Norwich against Cardiff. What a big game this is for Cardiff. They've slipped to third place off the back of Neil Warnock's uh, post-Wolves rant and then a defeat to... Um, to Aston Villa in midweek as we, as we mentioned yeah. before and uh, all of a sudden they've slipped behind Fulham albeit they do have a game in hand well the toys are all out of the pram they're all over the floor Warnock's lost it he's lost it he's, he's now an internet meme telling Nuno where to go he, he slagged off the, the Aston Villa winner in the week the toys are everywhere they're all over the floor but Norwich are so average I mean they're more average than you <laughs> they are so average if, if, I, if my personality was going to be the equivalent of a football team I think Norwich would be about where I'm at so I, I'm going to I still think that Cardiff but they were the better team against Villa by all accounts yeah, yeah. so I'm going to still say that Cardiff are going to be too strong get the away win I'm going to go for a draw here I think uh, Norwich uh, the mid-table play with a bit of freedom they beat Villa 3-1 last week they scored a very late equaliser against a Sunderland's uh, side still with plenty to play for and we'll come to them in a bit <coughs> so I'm going to back a stalemate here I'm interested if you could be a football team personality wise where do you where do you see you at I, I'm a Sheffield Wednesday former glories have my moments 
in lot, the 90s. A lot of highs. Yeah, I had a lot of highs, a lot of in, the highs in your early days. Yeah. But it's been quite quite downhill from but it's, there. Yeah. There's <laughs> been a few little peaks. A few it, little every peaks. now and then I threaten to bring back <laughs> the glory days, but I never actually quite... I'm, I'm Sheffield Wednesday or I'm Nottingham Forest. Yeah, yeah. I've got, I've got, there's potential in there somewhere. I just need someone to get in there and find it. <laughs> uh, QPR against Preston. QPR have got nothing to play for whatsoever, but Preston are just limping towards the finish line. They picked up a win in midweek, but that was their first in four. And QPR are pretty good at home, mm. actually. Um, they are, yes. They've, uh, they've won 11 of their 21 games. They've only lost five at home, so I'm going to go with a draw here. I've gone for a draw as well. Preston, I, th- I think I say it every week, they're the draw specialist. They've drawn 15 in the championship this season. No other team has drawn more. And so I'll go for the stalemate there. Reading against Sunderland. Well, huge. Reading aren't safe, but they're, they're edging towards it, aren't they? They're five points clear at relegation yeah. at the moment. S- we say it every week, Sunderland have to win this game of football, they are but they s- aren't very good, are they? They are six points adrift of safety yeah. at this stage. Paul Clement has got Reading organised, as we knew mm. he would. They've picked up six points. They've won two of their last four, which is reasonable mm. for a team down there. And Reading will win this game. Sunderland, you just can't back Sunderland for anything. They could turn up and do it when they beat Derby 4-1. Yeah. Where that came from. I exactly, but no, Reading for me. Reading have won their last two at home, as you say, under Clement. And uh, I think they're, they're a good uh, good bet for the home win. MK Dons against Doncaster, dropping down into League 1. Yeah, this is, this is another important game. The uh, MK Dons down in 22nd, two points from safety. Doncaster, safe, pretty much safe. Not mathematically, but they've got games in hand. Uh, Doncaster are treading water. MK Dons must win their home games. And I just wonder if that might be enough this time, with Doncaster just limping towards mm. the finish line. I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the old uh, MK Dons. Now, I did my research before Tuesday night's game, so this this might have changed, but it won't have changed too much. MK Dons were are unbeaten at home against the teams in the bottom half, so they tend to pick <laughs> up points against the sides in and around them. In contrast, Doncaster have lost five of their seven away games at teams ranked 17th or lower. So, so I think that's uh, that's something to go on there, and uh, so I'm going to back an MK Don's win. After all that, uh, what? Worryingly similar, similar this week. Walsall against Wimbledon. Yeah, both teams massive game again. Walsall not out of it, five points clear of the relegation zone. Wimbledon four points clear of the relegation zone, but they seem to have played more games than most teams around them. So this is a big one. The winner here is probably safe, you would say. Yep. Massive game. Both teams in poor form, but both won last weekend, so they've got a bit of a boost. Walsall at home and they're decent at the Bescott Stadium. Wimbledon, yeah, I, I just, I'm going to go with home advantage here again. I just think home advantage will tell when the pressure's on. I'm going to make you look like a fool right now. Walsall have lost four of their last five at home. Their only win came against bottom of the table, Berry, who have got a paltry 30 points from their 41 games. And on that basis, I'm going to back uh, Wimbledon for a surprise away win to round things off. I like to disagree. I'm much happier when we disagree. I feel much more comfortable. <laughs> Which game would you most... Uh, like to throw your ticket away for this oh, week, no, it's a no-brainer Huddersfield Watford yep I don't want to be anywhere near that where stadium. would you like to be uh, Barnsley Bolton yeah big big game big 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 or Crystal Palace Brighton because there's a big rivalry there I'd quite enjoy... they hate each other don't they Crystal I'd, Palace I'd quite like going to Norwich Cardiff just to see um... it's a long way to Norwich it is, it is a long way depends where you are <laughs> where yeah, you no, 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 but wherever you are it's a even long in, way even if you live just outside of Norwich, I'd just like to see another Neil Warner meltdown. Yeah. Um, how many goals? Because this is the, the tiebreaker. There I've was got, 19 goals last weekend. I've gone with 25. I've week. gone for 20 this week. Uh, don't forget to head over to the Sportsman then and uh, play the game. And uh, you can follow the Grand National on the website. They've got all the sports covered this week, including Tottenham against Man City. There'll be a live blog up there. 
And uh, don't forget to follow them on Twitter as well, at The Sportsman. You can follow Sean on Twitter. At Sean Raymond. And you can follow me, at C Night Sport. Uh, please do rate, review and subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud and uh, all those other podcast medium. And uh, we'll uh, very much look forward to the Grand National this weekend. And we'll uh, look ahead to the snooker, I believe, next week. So uh, please do join us for that. Thank you. Bye-bye.